Bandwidth for Changelog is provided by Fastly. Learn more at Fastly.com. We move fast and fix things here at Changelog because of Rollbar. Check them out at Rollbar.com. And we're hosted on Linode cloud servers. Head to Linode.com slash Changelog. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Rollbar. Move fast and fix things like we do here at Changelog. Check them out at Rollbar.com slash Changelog. Resolve your errors and minutes into deployable confidence. Catch your errors in your software before your users do. And if you're not using Rollbar yet or you haven't tried it yet, they want to give you $100 to donate to open source via Open Collective. And all you got to do is go to Rollbar.com slash Changelog, sign up, integrate Rollbar into your app. And once you do that, they'll give you $100 to donate to open source. Once again, rollbar.com slash changelog. Hey everyone, Adam Stukowiak here, Editor-in-Chief of Changelog. K-Ball just emceed a live show at NodeConf Columbia with a panel of four experts from the Node community, Kat Marchand, Anna Henningsen, Ruben Bridgewater, and James Snell. It was a great discussion about the future of Node and the Node ecosystem. Here we go. Bueno, okay. Hola, bienvenidos. Gracias por tenerlos. Uh, vamos a hablar en inglés porque muchos de los panelistas hablan en inglés y también porque estamos grabando esto para una la audiencia de JS Party. ¿Quién conoce a JS Party? Gracias a todos. Uh, entonces, esta audiencia demasiado inglés. Entonces, vamos a cambiar ahora a inglés. Welcome to our panel. We're going to do a panel today about the future of Node.js, and I have some amazing panelists here with me, um, some of whom you've already met today, some of whom you will be meeting later. They are all speakers, um, but let us actually just go down and have each of you introduce yourself very quickly, your name, and uh, say hello. I am Kat Marchand, Catarina Marchand in Espanol. I am the uh, Chief Architect of the NPM CLI. Uh, I've been there for about four years, so <laughs> I've been doing a lot of it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm Anna, and I work on Node, and that's basically it. <laughs> Hello, I'm Ruben Bridgewater. I'm a Node.js collaborator, and I work as a software architect and on Node Core. Hello again. I'm James. Uh, I work uh, on Node, work for Neoform, and all right, so when we do a JS Party podcast, we actually broadcast it live and let people chime in with us on Slack and ask questions of the panelists when we're talking on the podcast and, and go like that. Well, we do not have a Slack channel here, so you are our Slack channel. If you have questions, during this, I'll start off with some questions to our panelists, but if you have questions, raise your hand up high, wave it around, don't be shy. Julian will, yeah, Julian will go with the microphone for you to ask the question. So... Our goal here is to take advantage of these amazing experts and share a little bit about the future of Node.js. So I'm going to kick things off with a question, and I'm going to shoot this over a little bit to James and Ruben to start. Um, so both of you, when I talked to you a little bit about the future of Node.js, mentioned things around promises and asynchronicity. So uh, let's just kind of throw out to you what's going on currently in development, changing around the way that Node is handling asynchronicity, and where do you see it going? So the ecosystem starts to um, go more and more into using promises in general. Callbacks are very rarely seen these days, and Node Core started to 
incorporate that by um, also providing native promise reports in a lot of APIs. That's something we do more and more. We uh, try to have uh, pretty much all asynchronous calls, um, both as a callback-based version and also as a promise-based version. And besides that, we also try to improve the debugging experience with promises because the promise back itself is sometimes more browser-focused than really um, server-side. And due to that, we just recently implemented a new flag that you can use, which is called dash dash unhandled rejections. And there you can choose between a specific mode what would happen when you have a rejection that is not handled. And like a lot of people might run into that without noticing it, also by refactoring some code. And with Node 12, something very, very awesome landed that we did not implement on our own, but where we benefit from V8 and that is called zero-cost async stack traces. So when you use async await, and um, then you will always have each await call in your stack trace from them on. So I highly recommend when you switch to node 12, uh, immediately refactor your code to that because debugging is going to be much, much better. Uh, I just got to say, Ruben has done a tremendous amount of work on promises in core. Yeah, so you know how the error handling works and everything else. I don't think anyone's done more more work in that than than Ruben on this. So he deserves a you know, thank you on that. Um, as Ruben mentioned, we are going through and adding promise support to the various APIs. So there's FS promises and there's DNS promises and event emitter now you can use as an async iterator. There are a couple other things for event emitter that are coming. Uh, there's a new event emitter on that allows you to, uh, it returns a promise that will resolve when an event emits. Uh, and we're also doing one, yeah, there's uh, some similar work that, that's being done there to kind of make events easier to consume over time, right? Um, and not just as an async uh, uh, iterator, but uh, being able to get a life cycle of events. You know, like a streams has on data and then on end events, right? Being able to have a promises workflow that, that it supports that as well, that kind of flow. Um, that work is, is ongoing. It's going to take a little while because not all of the APIs in core make sense as promises. Uh, and, and, and to make them promises is actually a breaking change. So we have to take our time and do it correctly. So promises, asynchronicity, these are great ways to think and go in the event loop, but they don't get us to actual true parallelism. And I think uh, my understanding is, Anna, you're actually working on some stuff that is more true parallelism and worker threads within Node and that type of thing. Would you like to tell us a little about that? Yeah, sure. Um, so, so basically, worker threads in Node is something that I, for the most part, implemented. Um, and yeah, so, so you can actually now get worker threads in Node. In, I think the first release was in some 10.x version. Uh, it's, not, it's no longer behind the flag. We're very close to moving it out of experimental state. Um, there's just like one or two web compatibility things that we want to address first. Um, so yeah, if, if you actually have the need for something like workers, which is basically only for like CPU-intensive tasks that you want to offload from the main thread, um, then yeah, you can already do that, and uh, yeah, if you run into any trouble with that, let us know. Uh, I know that one of the most loved and hated features of Node is how we deal with modules. Uh, 
I've heard it said that uh, you know NPM is one of the reasons behind Node's success, and I've also you know I've seen all the memes about you open the door to Node modules and all the animals go streaming out. Cat, <laughs> uh, do you want to give us any hints into the future here? Well, I'm going to be giving a talk later today about what I plan on doing about Node modules hell. Uh, basically, I'm trying to get rid of Node modules. Yeah, we like that. We like that. I'll leave the rest for the talk, though. Oh, no, you got no to show up. Okay, so come back <laughs> or stick around. Um, excellent. So I'm going to poke at talks a little bit then. Ruben, I know you're talking this afternoon about air handling, and you just mentioned async await and async debugging. Um, are there improvements coming to our async debugging beyond just the stack traces? What's going on in Node Core here? So we definitely also improve um, more into that direction, but more like on a subtle level. For example, we um, validate more and more inputs stricter than we used to do, but that's something that has nothing to do with the asynchronous part directly. Um, what I'm going to plan on implementing relatively soon is a feature to tell you if you have a promise that did not settle when your application closes. So that means you probably have um, like a memory leak in your application somewhere and you um, had a promise constructor that uh, for some reasons never resolved. And that's a problem. People are sometimes believe that the promise itself should keep the key event loop alive, but the promise has nothing to do with that. As soon as there is nothing ongoing otherwise anymore, so there's no actual work to do, then the process will exit, no matter if there is still a promise out there alive that just is not settling. So that's something uh, that's coming hopefully relatively soon. So I've asked each of you a little bit about your area of specialization. Now I'm going to ask you to go a little outside of that. And I'm going to throw this out to anyone on the panel. What are some of the kind of longer term future items that you'd like to see in Node, whether they're in progress or just in discussion? Uh, I, have a, <laughs> I have a list. <laughs> Uh, one thing that, that we've, we've seen some experimentation on so far is just a better security policy for Node itself. So right now, the, the basic trust model for Node is if, it's, if code is running a Node, it's trusted, right? Um, which you know, has a number of, of, of limitations and, and issues. Um, some work landed experimental with specifying some policies. One of the things that I'm exploring, uh, aside from Quick, is the other project I'm doing. Um, is some proper operating system sandboxing of Node, um, being able to run Node uh, and child processes in a proper operating system sandbox, and having that be a built-in capability for Node. Uh, so there's going to be some more experimenta experimentation around that. There's other people that are looking at various other security-related things. So over the next year, I would expect a tremendous amount of work to come out on that. I, uh, I really want to see WASM and WASI support be first class. Yes. WASI is exciting. Yes. I, I'd like to see WASI replace NodeJip, hopefully. That would be pretty exciting. Um, I was, so like one thing that maybe like not everybody cares about, but that I really want to do is like have a better embedding API for Node. So like 
Some people do that, that they implement uh, an application, they build an application and want to run JavaScript, part, JavaScript as part of that. Uh, and so, like for example, game engines usually use something like Lua or so, which is really built for embedding, but no theoretically can do that as well. And uh, getting to a point where that is both easy and very flexible, that is one of my goals. So one thing that is really important and a fundamental basis of almost everything in Node.js is streams. But the current streams implementation has a lot of downsides. And it is actually pretty slow. It's super difficult to maintain. And having any changes in there is horrible. Like James is at the moment implementing quick. And uh, especially for our dad, we are trying to uh, look into a new way to implement a new streams model that um, would then come as a separate module so we wouldn't remove anything that is there right now because the whole access system relies upon that. But and we are looking into just adding something new that would then where 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 we could all benefit from that that new streams API. It's it's been been uh, in development. Uh, uh, Jeremiah Sankpil, uh, Fishrock uh, one two three has been working on it. It's uh, it's called Bob, simply because we needed a name. We're sitting around a table. <laughs> what are we gonna call it? We're gonna call it Bob. So it's Bob streams. Hopefully, it'll be coming soon. I'd like to explore a little bit more, going off of what Anna said. Uh, so you highlighted a really interesting example of a place where uh, Node has perhaps not penetrated as well as it might have been, getting embedded within other applications. I think you know, one of the amazing things about Node is how many places it has gone. Uh, but I'd like to throw out: Are there other places that Node is not doing a good job right now that you'd like to see it move into? Um, so maybe this is a bit opinionated, but like I feel like a lot of Node core contributors like really focus on like the classic use case of Node, which is enterprise web development and providing APIs, HTTP APIs. And while that is all great and everything, I feel like you know there are other ways to use Node, like building CLIs, and we should not throw that use case under the bus. Or um, yeah, I don't know, like like Electron, for example. I mean that's. Um, that's something that uses Node and embeds Node, and I want to make that easier and like better. <laughs> to that end, I think I've talked a little bit with James about uh, perhaps adding some kind of FS override API that we can, uh, that Electron can use, that Tink can use, that other things can use to like bypass the file system in some special cases. So that would be pretty exciting. Yeah, there's been some some talk about it. I'd love to do some actual experimentation with you know more of a virtual file system, pluggable file system. Mm -hmm. uh, would know that'd be that'd be fantastic. I think go, going on on the embedding side of things. If you look at it, at use cases like Cloudflare workers, um, uh, I know Bloomberg has done some stuff in their in, in their infrastructure where they've gone through and just created a their own V8 environment um, execution environment. And if you look at the reasons why they did that, it's because Node wasn't meeting their needs. Or a particular uh, uh, set of performance requirements or usage requirements. Node really needs to just kind of step back, look at those things, and really understand why Node wasn't used in those cases, and then figure out a path to make sure that, okay, no, we need to, we need to get there and we need to do better stuff. Yeah, when we speak about file system, that's also one thing where a lot of people would not use the Node.js native file system for a lot of things because it's cryptic. You use something that is in like the POSIX standard, and you have a weird name for a function where you have no idea what it does, and we have a very bad documentation about that. 
we are trying to improve the documentation. Um, <laughs> um, but and we are also sometimes looking into ways if it makes sense to add more high-level APIs into Node Core. So it would be way easier for you as users to use a lot of things instead of having to rely upon some modules. And we know we have a very diverse module ecosystem. So then you sometimes have like some downsides in one module or a little bit of a downside in another one. And it's difficult to decide what to use in the end. Yeah, so that's something I would like to see. I want to prompt the audience again. Any questions? I've been asking a lot of questions. Do we have questions in the audience? I see some hands going up. Excellent. To here. So not your knee, you say come, please. <laughs> Can you pass him then? Uh, this was just a quick question about uh, the Bob streams. Uh, are they related to what WG streams spec, spec at all? Uh, no. Um, so what WG streams is more, you know, kind of a higher level API. The Bob streams is a very low level pull pull interface, um, and it, it's 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 actually just a, an API. It's not an an, an implementation. Uh, and we'll be able to have the same pull API at the C++ layer and the JavaScript layer. It's a very, very low-level primitive. Uh, the intent is to, once, once Bob is ready, once it's there, we will be able to build the WhatWG stream implementation on top of it much more efficiently than we can on the existing stream stack. All right, so that it, it, Bob is one of the building blocks for WatWG stream support in, in, in core but it's not that implementation yet. This episode is brought to you by Linode, our cloud server of choice, and we're excited to share they've recently launched dedicated CPU instances. If you have build boxes, CI/CD, video encoding, machine learning, game servers, databases, data mining, or application servers that need to be full duty, 100% CPU all day, every day, then check out Linode's dedicated CPU instances. These instances are fully dedicated and shared with no one else, so there's no CPU steal or competing for these resources with other Linodes. Pricing is very competitive and starts out at 30 bucks a month. Learn more and get started at linode.com slash changelog. Again, linode.com slash changelog. And by Gage. Gage is a free and open source test automation tool by ThoughtWorks. The goal of the tool is to take the pain out of test automation and to help with this Gage support specifications of Markdown, which are easy to read and easy to write, reusable specifications to simplify your code, which makes refactoring easier, and less code means less time maintaining code. And finally, integrations. Use Gage with your favorite tools and your IDEs and the ecosystem of your choice. Selenium, Saihi Pro, CIC and CD tools like GoCD, Jenkins, Travis, and IDE support for Visual Studio, VS Code, IntelliJ, and more. Head to gage.org slash jsparty to learn more and give it a try. Again, gage.org slash jsparty. So uh, what do y'all, or how do y'all feel about the current uh, ECMAScript modules implementation, um, either as it currently stands or, uh, you know, moving forward as it, as it approaches moving out of experimental? 
volunteers. <laughs> I, I feel like this is the wrong panel for that kind of <laughs> like, like none of the people that are heavily invested in that are here, I think. So recently we landed a very big step towards what the working group decided where they would want to go to. And, and that's probably the first time I guess it would make sense to start using it. Um, before that, it was still very experimental, a lot of changes, and now it's getting a little bit more stable. Um, and you probably have pretty much the feature set set. I guess there won't be huge changes anymore. Other questions out in the audience? Yeah. Um, how do you feel, or what's your opinion about uh, new package managers such as Entropic? Uh, are you going to play? Hey, are you going to play with uh, the future of Node? I'm really excited about Entropic. <laughs> I'm not going to say something or another, but you know, Entropic might be getting a little bit of extra help very soon. You know this is being published, right? <laughs> what are they going to do, fire me? <laughs> do we have another question? Uh, this is for James. Uh, so I've, I've been reading about uh, the event sourcing and uh, playing around with uh, Apache Flink and talking about the stream processing. And your presentation caught my eye, and I was thinking about you are talking about it doesn't make any sense more about the request and response anymore. It's about streams now. So w where do you see this in the future about uh, Quick in Node.js? So I, uh, if you look at a lot of the Quick implementations that are out there, a lot of, uh, a lot of folks are, are focusing on the HP3 semantics, right? And the Quick is just happens to be part of it. When I took a look at it, for me, HP3 is the least interesting part. Right, right. You know that request. You know the request response. Okay, we can, we can do it. Um, there's a, there's a reason why I'm focusing so much on this low-level streams API because I think it enables a, a far greater set of use cases and more interesting use cases for users. Um, uh, the the you know push streams in HP2 were okay, but users couldn't make use of them. Like in the browser, there's no API to to actually accept those streams. Uh, some of the implementers for Quick are actually building a Quick API for the browser. So when a server can opens one of these streams to push data, you'll actually have an API in the browser where you can receive that and make use of it. The types of applications you can build with that. I mean, you know, you can imagine a, a complete replacement for WebSockets uh, and you know, in, in a mo model for pushing, uh, you know, for pushing data from the server. But not only that, peer-to-peer -peer communication from browser to browser. Uh, uh, in collaboration with talking to the server. There's, you know, you know, we saw the DAT presentation and there's other, you know, that's one of the reasons Protocol Labs is interested in it with that, you know, because of IPFS. There are some very fascinating um, use cases around peer-to-peer uh, uh, -peer streams, just streams, just data flows, right, without even worrying about the, uh, the, the, the request and response uh, HP semantics. And like I said, for me, that's by far the more interesting part and I can't wait to see the applications people build with that piece. Hey, so at some point, uh, the JavaScript uh, spec was mentioned, uh, and some web standards as well. Um, for example, Node pushing for uh, innovation, uh, like streams, and then the web catching up with that. The other way around, like uh, Fetch, now uh, implementing. Um, you think we will reach 
to a point of a middle ground where both web, the standards, and Node will push for innovation together, or it's much like the nature we have now? Um, so it, it's, it's going to be a balance. Um, you know, there are some use cases that apply to the browser that don't apply to Node. There are some that apply to Node that don't apply to the browser, right? So there's always going to be some balance, some set of APIs that are only relevant in one environment. Uh, where it makes sense, though, right? You know, there, it makes no sense whatsoever for Node to have a Node-specific API and the browser to have its own way of doing things. So where it makes sense, we need to, to get convergence. And we've started down that path. Um, URL, right, the new URL uh, thing. Um, when I implemented that, there was an argument that knows not the browser, we should never get a browser API in there. I said, oh, well, here's URL. <laughs> um, and then text, uh, text encoder and text decoder um, did the basic implementation on that, and you know, I literally got yelled at you know, um, by a couple of folks for, for doing that, but hey, it's there, and now you can do text encoding and decoding in the same way in both environments. So there's been some pushback. Um, there are still people who disagree that the, that the environments should come together. Uh, but I think we're making progress in the right direction in things like uh, the modules uh, um, implementation. Uh, Fetch is being looked at, although Fetch has a number of issues, even on the browser side implementation, that, that make it really difficult for us to implement in, 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 in Node. So it's not just a matter of implementing the API. There are some fundamental um, issues that need to be addressed before we can do it. But we're moving in the right direction on getting that done. In general, there was a shift pretty much in how specs came together because like if you look back a couple of years, Node was just one thing out there and then there were a couple of browsers and each browser was doing their thing as well. And, and then the uh, XMAScript committee TC39, they started to actually um, push forward for a lot of new features more and more and now and JavaScript is changing as a language as well, much faster than they used to do. Um, and not only did that happen, but now we start to communicate much um, stronger together. And like also the V8 team, originally a Node used V8, but the V8 team did not collaborate together with Node.js. That has changed completely. We are having a very good relationship together and we um, sit down together and discuss how things could be implemented, what makes sense and what doesn't. And um, this is really huge for me. I think it's a good change that we start to communicate with each other and um, discuss what use cases there are and how to combine all these requirements. Any other question? Oh, we have one up here on the... Okay. Yeah, sort of long, I had to write it down. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, for most of us, the gap between Node.js and Chrome's V8 team are, well, something we, we don't hear much about. Uh, and it looks like the Node team works more like in a reactive way instead of being proactive and, and suggest changes and, 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 and cool things to add. It, that's why I, I want to take advantage of having you folks here. And, and, and I want to, to ask you, are there any efforts uh, ongoing towards closing that gap and having people on, on both teams. Is that something possible to have? Um, so, so, like Ruben already said a bit about that. So one big thing that happened is that, um, so 
not only is like V8 part of Node, but also Node is part of V8 CI. Um, so, and that has been the case for one or two years or so. Like, it's pretty recent still. And that just makes us work together more like closely inherently, um, because now they can't break Node without at least being aware of it. Um, uh, so, and, and there's a number of Node core contributors who sometimes like, so, so we do feel free to voice our wishes with V8 and make our own contributions to V8, I think. Um, and, and as Ruben said, we have like occasional get-togethers or online meetings. Uh, so for example, the Diagnostics Summit for Node.js, where we talked about diagnostics, that was held at Google in Munich um, with a lot of the V8 people who are working there. And we just had a lot of in-depth discussions about like what Node's needs are and um, how how V8 can help with that. So um, yeah, I, I think that's like definitely improved and is still improving. Yeah. And yeah, I, I will just say that you know there there are members of the V8 team that are in the Node project. A couple of them on the TSC. There are Node contributors who are also V8 contributors. So I mean that's you know, just relatively recently. You know there's there's a lot of uh, cross collaboration in the in the project. So, um, Joyi uh, is is one particular that you know she you know she's actually act actively contributing stuff to to V8 um, on behalf of of Node. You know, so if there's things that we need in in, in Node, she's there um, helping get that done. So there's a, you know, the collaboration has improved significantly over the past couple of years. We have other questions. Other questions. Eh, eh, con el auge de Ross y el anuncio de Denon, eh, ¿ustedes creen que en algún momento no adopte ROS o, o haya alguna especie de fusión entre Denon y No? So with the popularity of ROS and now having Dino, do you think there going to be like a collaboration in the future between the two projects like ROS and Node.js or Node and Dino? Um, I wouldn't necessarily expect so, but it's definitely it's uh, it's good to have competition, right? Um, <laughs> it's just like it drives change, and um, so so Dino definitely has some things that I really wish Node would have. Um, <laughs> and yeah, for example, like source map support, that is something that we've been talking about with V8, and it's not like entirely sure like where should that end up because in V8. It makes sense because every consumer of V8 potentially wants that. Um, but Rust, uh, not Rust, uh, Dino, they just did it. Um, and yeah, I'm kind of jealous of their ability to just do things because they don't have to worry about backwards compatibility or arguing a lot because they're just two people. It's, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think it's good that they drive change. Uh, it's nice that Rust, like you can, very easily write Node native add-ons in Rust now. Uh, all these things are pretty cool, but I don't think like Node.js core directly using Rust, at least in the near future, maybe at some point. But. What Anna was just saying as well is, Node.js has a stability for the ecosystem. We cannot just break the ecosystem all the time. Dino is able to change something from one day to the other completely. And, and no one would complain, or at least not a lot of people, because it's still very experimental, very young, and, and you're still able to do a lot that is not possible in Node Core. We have to do, we have to decide how we implement changes in a 
way that we don't break the ecosystem. We tried very hard to do that. We have multiple tools and to check on these things. And still, it's difficult at times. And we have breaking changes that we don't intend to do, and such like things like that. So that's the biggest difference, I would say. Okay, last speaker, because we got to wrap this up. Yeah, I will, I will say Rust is a fantastic language. If you haven't looked at it, it's, it's well worth a look. It's just a beautiful language. Um, I was asked, when, when, when Ryan announced Dino, um, I had a reporter contact me and ask me if I was concerned about Dino in any way. I'm like, no, it's going to do great. Um, it's, it's fantastic. It's, it's fantastic to have that, you know, those ideas out there. And, you know, anytime something like that comes up, or even, you know, even if, if you know, anytime a project gets forked or, or there's some competition for me, that's a reason to celebrate, because things are going to get better overall, right? You know, it might be, you know, might be dramatic at first, but in the end, everybody is going to have a better experience uh, because of those new ideas that are coming to the surface. So it's fantastic. All right, so we are now out of time. Uh, I have been given the red flag and then the extra flag saying, wrap it up, wrap it up. Uh, first off, let's get a hand for our panelists. These guys are awesome, right? So one quick plug to wrap. I mentioned this will be wrapped up as a podcast episode for JS Party. If you listen to podcasts and you don't yet listen to JS Party, you can find it on whatever podcast application you want. We have a conversation every week. Um, one of the most amazing things about going to conferences is you get to hear amazing, brilliant people like this, but you can't always go to a conference every week. We have amazing, brilliant people like this talking on the podcast every week, and so you can come and get some of that energy and that excitement and that access to expertise uh, that maybe you don't have. I mean, that's what I love doing it. I get to hear from all these amazing people every week. Check us out, JS Party, uh, and you can find us at changelog.com slash jsparty on the web. Thank you again for having all of us down here in Colombia. How about a hand for the organizers who have done such an amazing job? Right, yes, give it up for K-Ball. He did an awesome job repping us in front of a live studio audience. Hosting a panel, it's so much fun doing that and we love doing that. So if you run a conference or a community and you wanna bring JS Party to your community and he wants to come there and host a panel, have some fun, get in touch, editors at changelog.com. We'd love to come there to listen to JS Party Live. Tune in on Thursdays at 1 p.m. U.S. Eastern at changelog.com slash live. You can also join the community and Slack with us in real time during the shows. Head to changelog.com slash community. Everyone's welcome. And of course, thank you to Fastly, our bandwidth partner, Rollbar for helping us move fast and fix things, and Linode for our awesome infrastructure. One more thing, head to changelaw.com slash master. It's one feed to rule them all. Get all of our podcasts in one single feed. Again, head to changelaw.com slash master or go into your podcast app and search for changelawmaster. You'll find it. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.